to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. I'm Father Josh Allen, the chaplain here at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. My name is Alex Carroll. I'm a focused missionary here at Tech. And I'm Reeves Broussard. I'm a fifth-year computer science major here at Tech. And Reeves is joining us uh, for really the second time. Sadly, the first time we recorded a podcast with him, it was probably on its... It definitely would have been the best podcast that we have ever recorded, except that the recording device decided to go on vacation halfway through the podcast. Sure, the best one. So it was, but even the half was better than any other podcast we've produced. Sounds providential. I'm just saying. I'm not going to (laughs) argue. So today uh, our topic is a troubling story from the Old Testament, uh, from the book of Judges. I believe it's chapter 12. Am I correct? Chapter 11. Chapter 11 from the book of Judges. The story of Jephthah, who has the... Uh, uh, a name that only a lisper could love. Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk about his story. First, we're going to ask uh, one of these guys to read the relevant chap- section of the chapter uh, into the record uh, so we can talk about it. Okay. Um, so we're starting at verse 29. Is that uh, what we sure. We'll, we'll I actually don't have a Bible. Yeah, we probably summarize the first part. I don't have a Bible. Yeah. So there's Jephthah, and he's become the leader of the Israelites. And he's, they're about to go to war with the Amorites, and he's trying to convince the people who are about to go to war why they shouldn't go to war. Um, that falls through, and so he ends up having to lead this battle, essentially. There's a lot in between there, but that is sort of the essence of the yeah. first 30 chapters or whatever of this. Or the first first of this 20, 30 verses or so. And then we start here. Yeah, probably verse, verse 30 or so. Okay. Yeah, and it's actually the Ammonites. We have the Amorites and the Ammonites list somewhere in this. Yeah, they're, they're, in this it's very thing. confusing. Um, okay, so verse. We'll start at verse thirty. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord: If you deliver the Ammonites into my power, he said, whoever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites shall belong to the Lord. I shall offer him up as a holocaust. Jephthah then went on to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his power, so that he inflicted a severe a severe defeat on them from Aror to the approach of Mineth, 20 cities in all, and as far as Abel-Karamim. Thus were the Ammonites brought into subjection by the Israelites. When Jephthah returned to his house in Mizpah, it was his daughter who came forth playing tambourines and dancing. She was an only child. He had neither son nor daughter besides her. When he saw her, he rent his garments and said, Alas, daughter, you have struck me down and brought calamity upon me. For I have made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot retract. Father, she replied, you have made a vow to the Lord. Do with me as you have vowed, because the Lord has wrought vengeance for you on your enemies, the Ammonites. Then she said to her father, let me have this favor. Spare me for two months, that I may go off down the mountains to mourn my virginity with my companions. Go, he replied, and sent her away for two months. So she departed with her companions and mourned her virginity on the mountains. At the end of the two months, she returned to her father, who did to her as he had vowed. She had not been intimate with man. It then became a custom in Israel for Israelite women to go yearly to mourn the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, for four years, four days of the year. Thank you very much. Okay, so uh, for those of you who, just like you do in Mass, tuned out uh, (laughs) during the reading of the first reading... Uh, guys, tell me, like, what are some of the interesting uh, or problematic uh, aspects of this particular passage? 
Uh, one, it's a super weird story. <laughs> it's a super weird story. Kind of really yeah. sad. Um, Jephthah, he has confidence in God that he's going to win the battle. And so he has this sort of inner dialogue. And then he's coming up to the battle and he, and he feels confident the Lord's going to lead him to victory. But then as he like steps out to actually head to the battle, he makes like this weird vow, which is like, God, if you do this for me, I will offer up as a sacrifice the first person who comes out of my house when I come back. And sure enough, it's his daughter. And what do you mean as I'll offer it up as a sacrifice? Like I will kill her. As a and burnt, oh, burnt, 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 burnt offering. Right? Yeah. Doesn't he say, I will offer yeah. as a burnt offering uh. the first person who walks out of my house? It's hard for me to imagine what goes through someone's head to make the promise. I mean, I can almost understand you saying, I'm going to offer up as a burnt offering the first person to walk out of my enemy's house. Sure. But it's like, it's your house. Mm -hmm. These are are your people. Right. If you're going to make a promise, you know, like a... Make a burnt offering of an animal or something. Most That's, likely it's not going to be a stranger coming out of your house when you get home. Well, like, I think he was expecting like a servant or someone who like worked there or something like that. But it turns out it's his one and only child, his daughter, who is not married. And that really sucks. Yeah. So, but, but here's the thing. So he makes his promise. He wins the battle. Daughter comes out. He sees her. And then it's not like he changes his mind or anything, mm-hmm. right? He keeps he keeps his word. She decides to go away for two months. She says, let me go away for two months to mourn my virginity, which is like its own kind of conversation. Uh, Wait, what? Okay. We'll and then she does that for two months on this mountain with her companions and comes back. And Jephthah keeps the vow that he makes to the Lord which it doesn't exactly say how it all goes down, but presumably he takes his daughter and burns her to death. Boom. And what are we supposed to take away from that? I don't know. On the surface, it looks like he's doing a good thing. Because, like, there's a lot of weird stuff in the Old Testament that kind of happens. They're like, oh, well, they were just being obedient to God, so I guess that's cool. Um, And so he makes his promise to God, which, you know, I think what you're really calling into question is, is this a good promise to make? Um, But... From, from when you just read it the first time through, it's like, okay, he made this promise. He was victorious. He's got to follow up on his side of the deal. And, like, as hard as that is, like, he did it. So I think you can take, like, this skewed version of, like, well, whenever we tell God we're going to do something, we should do it. And, like, in this case, Jephthah is following through with his promises. So, like, in a sense, it seems honorable. But I, I you gave a homily on this. And so I think I know your point is going to be that he's making a weird promise, a bad promise to begin with. Yeah, I think – um I think you, you you have an interesting problem with whether or not – well, it brings up a point of let's assume that it is a promise, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a vow. It's completely sealed as a vow to God. Sure. Is it the kind of vow he should keep? Is there ever a time when we shouldn't keep a vow we have made to God? I mean – Yes and no, but but also in the Old Testament, you see Abraham about to kill his son Isaac. Like he was going to do it. Like yeah, he was going to keep no, that. In that case, then the wait. There's, a, you know, we we did a podcast uh, that will have been released before we release this one on Abraham and Isaac just recently. And at least one of the things about Abraham and Isaac is that that starts with the angel appearing to Abraham and saying to him, mm. "Take your son to the mountain. I'll show you and offer right. him as a burnt offering." So, like that starts off as an order okay. from. From uh, from the angel. So that's not, God it's not keeping the promise. That's just doing the will of God. 
Yeah, that's I mean good. that's actually presented as this is God's will. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do. That's a whole different kind of which we talked about ad nauseum uh, on the other podcast. This is like a different issue. Okay. Now we're not talking about why would God ask somebody to do something so crazy. Mm-hmm. I think now we're talking about a guy who makes a vow to God. God doesn't say anything in the whole chapter. Yeah, that's a good. Which point. is actually kind of unusual, you know. God or His angels. He's talking to these judges a lot, mm-hmm. and he doesn't say anything in, in this chapter at all. Um, and that's what I gave a this this uh, this passage came up during the week, um, this week, uh, and which by the time we release this, you know, who knows when it'll be. But uh, uh, the point I made in my homily was that the vow was a rash vow. Um, it didn't have anything to do with God. It had more to do with Jephthah, and he should not have kept it. Um, but I think we run into this kind of bigger question if we say that is like, is there a time when we should not keep a promise to God? And if if there is a time, what is the criteria for determining that? I'm trying to think of a time where I make promises to God in the first place, though, like at least in this sort of way, where like it, it seems like a bad thing to do. Like, God, give me this thing and I'll do this for you. That seems like sort of like a business exchange, not really a relationship with God our Father. Um, but I guess there's other times where we sort of make promises sort of out of fidelity, um, like, like fasting, um, and then prayer and stuff like that. But, but I don't, I don't know what other kind of question, well, what kind of deal I would made a lot of promises to God. Like in what way? Well, have you ever been a confession? Yeah. I was going to think. Oh, yeah. Dang it. <laughs> right. So at the end of the act of contrition, that's penance, you say, though. That's, that's different than like saying, give me this thing and I'll give you this thing. No, I know that. You say at the end of your confession, your act of contrition, you say, I firmly intend, with the help of your grace. That's a promise. Okay. Right? With the help of your grace, to penance, to sin no more, and to avoid the near occasion of sin. Okay. Right? I mean, that is a a promise. It might not be a vow. Okay. Right? We could talk about the difference between a promise and a vow, but but it's at least a promise that you're making to God. Sure. Which you don't keep. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I know you well. You know? <laughs> wow. I just broke the seal of confession. No, no, no. No, no, no. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. Oh, okay. You don't have to. Common knowledge. <laughs> um, so, but we wouldn't say that it's okay to, be, to break that promise to God, right? Right. The but... promise that we make to not sin any, anymore mm-hmm. and to avoid the near occasion of sin. Exactly. Like the fact that we break that promise is not good. That's yeah. what lands us back in confession again. Right. So what I'm saying is, as wrong as this vow was, and we can say, I, I, I think that it was a horrendous vow, right? Sure. Um, based on ignorance, it was probably based more on his own pride than anything, right? I think it was out of fear, though. I think it was he lost faith in God as he's coming toward the battle. And at the last minute, you know, even after having sort of this confidence going, he, he makes like a quick deal trying to get whatever edge to win this battle. I think it's out of fear out of more than anything, but maybe it's ignorance. Well, what, what, so, okay, here's the thing though. Rash promises, rash promises tend to be an expression of pride. Okay. That tends to be what it is because what someone does when they make a rash promise is rather than soberly evaluate what they've done, where they find themselves, questioning whether God's will is their will, then they make this kind of rash deal in order to have to, in order to to prevent themselves from having to seriously consider the situation in which they find themselves. So, 
the guy that commits adultery against his wife, right? He comes into confession and he's made this kind of rash promise. And his promise is intended to cover up any self-examination. Listen, I promised God that I'll never do this again. I would, I, I never, I, I never would have done it had I not been drinking. And I'm never going to do it again. I'm going to do this and blah 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 blah. Okay. And they come in and they make this kind of, this sort of kind of fake confession. That's not really a confession in humility of the fact that no, well, you know what, you might have been drinking, but you cut, you deliberately chose sure. this. You know, you didn't accidentally have mm-hmm. sex with someone outside right. of marriage. It didn't. You, it's not like you trip. And oops, that just happened, right? Um, There is deliberation there. Okay. So failure to look at the rash promise. Generally speaking, a rash promise is a defense mechanism that we use to keep from having to truly examine the sources and the causes of our sins. Okay. So I would propose to you that Jephthah has made a rash promise. He's maybe he has lost his trust in God, and that's fine. But rather than consider why he's lost his trust. Okay. Rather than, you know, examine himself and say, Lord, I have I have failed in my faith. Rather than go to him and say, I don't really believe we're going to win and we need help. Rather than do that, he says, all right, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill somebody as long as you let me win. And I don't care who the person is. I'll just say anybody in my house, right? It's like a little kid making a promise. Yeah. You know, making one of these grandiose gestures mm-hmm. or somebody who this happens sometimes people will make um, kind of a, a private vow to God that they're going to stop doing whatever sin that they found themselves in. Because they think if I promise God right. that I won't break it. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't really work that way. So that's kind of the way I see this vow. But here's the thing. This is my question. As rash as it is. Once it's made, do you have to keep it? I don't think so. And I don't think so because, I mean, one, because it was a rash judgment. So if we examine ourselves and we go back and say, well, that was a dumb promise to make in the first place, I think there's mercy there that, that God's going to give to us. Um, yes, I don't, think you, I don't think you have to keep that. If, you, if you're aware that you made that in a terrible state of mind under a terrible set of circumstances. But aren't you just giving somebody an out? Right. So what if I isn't isn't mercy as itself just giving everyone an out though? I mean, like. Well, I mean, isn't this 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 the kind of approach with? I mean, a lot of people complain about annulments today, right? That, sure. That uh, there's never been a marriage that the Catholic Church wouldn't annul, right? right. It's like so if 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 that's the case, then no one's actually married, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if your marriage is annullable, you're not married. That sucks. Right. Um, but a lot of people will say that what we're doing is we're letting people off easy. That they actually, they did know what they were getting themselves into. Mm-hmm. They just don't want it anymore. Okay. And the question of an annulment is, did you know what you were getting yourselves into? Not how you feel about it now, but how did you feel about it then? Okay. Um, I think, I, I'm not saying that I agree with that position on annulments. I, I actually don't. But, uh, but a lot of people do say that. And... I wonder if you're not just, I wonder if you're not by giving somebody the excuse of, well, what kind of state of mind was I in? Yeah. If you don't just kind of allow yourself an easy way out of any promise you ever make. Sure. So you're saying that he should kill his daughter? I'm, I do not believe that he should have killed his daughter. I'd love to hear your solution because I ain't got one. <laughs> so if his promise violates a law of God, then is it 
should you keep it, I think, is also a question. Like, I mean, I know, I don't exactly know the historical context or the biblical context of, like, burnt offerings, but I don't, like, I mean, I think if God gave the commandments to keep people in a line, I don't think he would want someone to kill someone else and then offer him up, especially somebody of your own flesh and blood, like, as a burnt offering. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a violation of the natural law, yeah, right? right. Your daughter, really? Virgin I mean, daughter, which yeah. apparently is important. Well, I think a daughter is important. No, I said virgin, virgin daughter, daughter, which oh, apparently is yes, that apparently more important. Yeah. That's somehow more important. I don't know why, but it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you bring up a very, very good distinction. I think if there's a promise that you make to God that is in violation of the natural law or of some divine law that maybe you didn't know, mm-hmm. right? Um, clearly, n- now you have a situation where when you find out or when you understand you you never actually had a promise in the first place. It's like that's a promise you make to God that He doesn't accept. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like me promising to you that uh, I'll take you to Tendrum all week next week, yes. and you say uh, no. <laughs> or you say no. I, I kind of reject that promise, Which uh, would never mainly because you know that there's no way that, that you're going to take, gonna take me to Tendrum week next week. That's unfortunate. Uh, although there's a eighty percent chance that you eat at Tendrum. Every day next week. Uh, yeah, I'd say 85 at least. Yeah. 85% mm-hmm. chance. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a, a promise that's made that's not inconsistent with that's not inconsistent with the law is different than a promise that's made that's inconsistent with the law. So what he should have done, I think, is when his daughter walks out of the door, he should have said, mm, okay, that was definitely a rash promise. But here's the thing, like, you will talk about a bad action. He then has two months to think mm. about it. While she's on the mountain. She yeah. goes and wanders away to the mountain to mourn her virginity, which we'll get to in a minute. And then, <laughs> you have to explain this to me. I have no idea what that means. And then she comes back after two months. Like, imagine those two months. He either is a psychopath yeah. and doesn't care. Total denial. Or or he he would have been, can you imagine, like, how wrecked you would be? Like, I can't imagine how wrecked I would be if if someone who's not even my family member, like if one of you two guys, like if I knew that, well, maybe at least I said one of you two guys, <laughs> not, not both it. of you, not I both of you, but if, uh, if one of you two went away and I knew for some reason that when you came back that I had to kill you. you I wouldn't come back. Well, okay, that's, I think that has something to do with the mourning, the virginity. We got to talk, about I don't know what's going on with that, but uh I mean, this is like the problem with Abraham and Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Soren Kierkegaard. I talked about that on the last podcast. The three days that Abraham takes his son to sacrifice him, but they have to travel three days to get to the mountain. It's like those three days, like it's the worst thing in history. Yeah, he's not telling his son. Right? Talk about torture. Yeah, yeah, his son doesn't know. Oh. He does. He knows what's going to happen at the end, right? Yeah. It's just torture. It's like Jephthah, like it's just torture, torture, two months knowing this, and yet he doesn't change his mind. So here's my question. Do you think God tried to get him to change his mind? I think two months is a long time to think about. I mean, there's obviously nothing in the scripture about it, right? Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe like the daughter's decision to go to the mountain for two months is, is God giving him time to sort of mold that over and say, hey, I definitely come back to your that's senses. a way to interpret that, yeah. right? She's gonna. She's like, hmm, yeah, Dad, you should keep your vow to the Lord. You know what? Let me go away for two months. <laughs> two whole months. And I'm going to come back, so and then you can keep your vow to the Lord. <laughs> Dang it. That totally ruins my point that the daughter's being super faithful. Well, what is your point about her? Uh, we were going to come back to that when we talked about her mourning her virginity. Oh, mourning virginity. But how awesome it is that she's so faithful her to friends. her father. With, her, with friends. her friends. There's another cool point about that, too. Yeah, she's there with her friends. Um, I mean, all in all, here's the thing, though. You know, Jephthah is, he is one of the judges. He is, uh, theoretically, he's got this kind of higher level of spiritual knowledge. Yeah. He has a better connection with God. There's, you know, he's one of these people that's chosen by God to do his work. And how far astray he's gone. That's that's a bizarre thing. Mm. It is a bizarre thing. Yeah. And this is the only time he appears, right? You don't read about him in chapter 10. And in chapter 12, they don't mention him again. So it's just like. He dies, I think. In chapter 12. Okay, the so the very dies. beginning of chapter 12, he dies yeah, he and dies. moves on to the so next person. We don't hear anything else. It's like, so he kills his daughter, and then the scripture just moves on. Like, well, how are we supposed to take that? I don't know. Yeah, he had six years. He judged Israel for six years and yes. then died. So I think, I mean, to kind of go back to what we decided, right? So we said if the vow is somehow in violation of law, what about this? What if you make a promise that's not in violation of law, but you seriously regret making it? Uh, I think you... Uh, I don't know. Gosh. Like, what if in a moment of, of exuberance, you make this promise to God that you're never going to eat meat again? <laughs> right? <laughs> you just decide, I'm going to give up meat forever. Mm-hmm. And you're great for about six hours, and then you want a bacon cheeseburger. Of course. Right? Because I want that every six hours. Yeah. Right? <laughs> who doesn't want to make a cheeseburger? Uh, what do you think is the status of a rash vow, right? Because it was definitely mm-hmm. rash, of a rash vow that doesn't violate the law. I think you answered it right there. It's, it's a rash decision. I don't think we should ever... Oh, dang it, no. Ah. <laughs> we should be held accountable for actions. Hey, how many people do but... you think come to confession and make a rash promise? I don't know. And they make their act of contrition. How many Everyone. people? How many people? You know, you don't have to say anything about yourself, although we all know. <laughs> how many people do you think really intend to not sin again and to avoid everything that leads them to sin? Uh, very few. How many people do you think really believe that? Do you want a number? I don't know that I've ever met one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I would just. I'd like to. I'd like. I'd like to. That'd be an interesting yeah, that conversation. Sounds good. Um, but it's amazing. Like we had this kind of resolve at the time, but it's a partial resolve at best. Okay. At best, it is a partial resolve. I think it it comes down to like, and it's probably different for every case. But your intentions with the promise, and like, if it's a rash decision of something that is extremely glorifying to God, and you know, there is good that comes of it, then yes. But like giving up meat every day for the rest of your life, or whatever. You know, what What glory does God get out of that, especially if you're bitter about it the whole time? Or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't get glory necessarily out of it, but, you know, it 
does it really do much for you? Does it do much for God for you to just not eat meat? You may have just established that vegans do not glorify God. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I said it depends on the individual. <laughs> now, the vegans can can vegan themselves. I think God does want me to have a bacon cheeseburger. You're like, no, he's the one that made a pig. That's right. And made it so delicious. You know, and he knows. He knows what that thing tastes like. He absolutely yeah. does. <laughs> well, he was Jewish, so he might not actually know. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no, he was released. We were released from law. Huh. Um, all right. Well. To, to kind of come back to this point, I, I do think, and I, I don't necessarily have an opinion on this, I do think we run into problems when we start talking about a promise that we made that was a legitimate promise that we come to regret later. The question is, did you know what you were getting into at the time? Regretting something doesn't mean you didn't know what you were getting into. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody who gets married. They know what marriage is. They know what they're getting into. And later on, they realize, you know, 50 years is a long time. You know, 50 years is a long time. Maybe I, I, don't, I don't really want to do this that long. I want to go do something else. It'll be fun. That doesn't mean they didn't know what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's an interesting question about vows. Like, is there a ruling there? I don't know. What do you do? Because like, on one instance, we have marriage. On the other instance, we have, you know, giving up bacon cheeseburgers. Um there has to be a, some way to differentiate those two. One's a sacramental vow. One is a, sort of yes. a rash promise. Yeah, you there are. I, you know what? I don't have the kind of the. I don't have notes in front of me to talk about this properly. But there is definitely like there's a private promise that mm. one makes to God, a formal promise that you can make to God in a vow through a priest right. in confession or in the internal forum. Mm. There's a public vow that you make to God that's made to a bishop. That's the kind of thing like a hermitist will decide to live poverty, chastity, and obedience. Those are promises, but they make a promise also to live basically in seclusion from Mm -hmm. other people in prayer. They make those promises to a bishop. There's the public profession of vows, right? right? That's like a religious making vows of poverty, chastity, Mm -hmm. and obedience. There are the promises that are made in ordination, made to the entire church. Um, there's, there are lots and lots of different levels. And I think what we're probably talking about is level one or two, way down the list. Bacon cheeseburgers? Or, well, I mean, even, even Jeff, though, like, what is this promise that Jeff oh, okay. has made? Yeah. The bacon cheeseburger. Listen, any, <laughs> that's contrary to law. <laughs> Peter looked at it all and he said, it's all good to eat. Amen to that. Anybody that makes a vow not to eat a bacon cheeseburger is so violated. should never That's what nowadays. I say. That's what podcast at gtcatholic.org. Um, that, but that's what I say. <laughs> I don't think that's correct. Anywho, um, so there's a difference between these two promises. Which ones, gosh, e- even if they were, even if you knew we were getting into, even if they were rash decisions that we knew we were getting into, right? Does, does that count as a rash decision? Can you make a rash decision while having understanding? Yeah, of what because you're doing? it's motivated by pride. Okay. Right? But now there's the thing. Do we have to have a hundred percent pure motive in order for our promises to be valid? No. I mean, the the law certainly doesn't see that, right? Right. Like, like the legal world yeah, right. doesn't. They don't really care. No. Like it doesn't matter whether you were signing up for your two thousand dollar a month apartment because you were trying to show up for your girlfriend, or whether you could really afford it. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Right. Still you gotta, you've now yeah. entered into a contract. Okay. Um. With God. I don't know that it's so clear, but I definitely think um, I definitely think your mindset has to come into it. But I don't think it's as easy as saying 
I regret making this promise, and therefore I don't want to keep it. Um, so where do you go from there? Well, one thing that can happen is uh, a priest can release you from certain types of vows and or promises. Uh, you do it in confession. Right. Um, and a priest can release you from some of them. And then, obviously, higher levels, a bishop can release you from. Mm-hmm. And then some promises, like if a priest wants to get out of his promises, that's kind of a big deal. But, yeah. yeah. You know, somebody who makes a promise uh, to to live as a hermitess, right, especially if it's not a public profession, if that person makes that promise, it's just a private vow they're making to God. Okay. A priest can release them from that. Mm-hmm. If they come and they, they say they want to be released from it, um, they can be released from it. And in fact, there's certain promises that you make that a priest can release from you that's actually, it's actually kind of included. I know a lot of times people do that uh, consecration to Mary, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 30-day thing, the Louis sure. de Yeah. And in that consecration, no, it's not the consecration to Mary, it's the um, scapular. Oh, okay. To really be formally enrolled in a scapular, you have to agree to do the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary every day. Mm. Right, And in the documents for the enrollment, it says that any priest, so just by virtue of the fact that you're a priest, any priest can give you permission to substitute saying the rosary for doing the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. Right? So, like, there's already some promises in there. Right. That there's already promises that the church has already said priests can kind of release you from. So, generally speaking, I would say this. If you have made a promise to God, if, unless that promise violates the law, that be the natural law or divine law, you are bound by that promise unless you bring it to confession, talk to a priest about it, and if the priest can release you, he will, and if he can't, he'll help you figure out how to do it. But you don't just get out of it by saying, I kind of regret this. See you later. Yeah. Um, hmm. Generally speaking. That's very interesting. So let's talk real quick about the... Uh, the daughter? Yeah, let's talk about the daughter for a second. <laughs> what the heck do you think is going on on that? They have, There's an awful lot of people up there. I think it's mourning. I think it's... So, so she finds out that her father is going to kill her. And she, clearly he's sort of out of his mind or in some weird state where he's made this strange promise to God. And she takes her... I think it says it takes her friends um, and they go up and mourn. But they mourn her virginity. Right, that's like the term that they use. Like they mourn her virginity. So they're mourning that she's never had children? Yes. Or that she's just never so. had sex? I think it's maybe that she just has lived a short life. Like that she's going to die soon and she's young. So I'm a fan of the, the uh, Bible cliff notes or <laughs> Bible interpretation notes. And it basically says uh, by the verse that's in 37 um, where it says mourn my virginity which means like to bear children and it says that that was the greatest pride of, of a Jewish woman yeah. I guess um, to be childless was to, to be regarded as a great misfortune um, and so Jephthah's daughter asks permission asks permission to mourn the fact that she will be put to death before she can bear children I would like to point out that I find it interesting that she's going to mourn the fact that she's going to die without having had kids, but she doesn't seem to be overly concerned about the fact that her dad's going to kill her. I have no words. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not sure they were totally sane in that family. (laughs) Well, Apple and Now, we can also throw in, I mean, we're we're 
we've gone too long, but we can also throw in there's, again, just like in the Abraham and Isaac podcast, there is this backdrop of human sacrifice sure. that's happening in the land of Canaan. And so some of this may be kind of cautionary tale about how this is not appropriate for people who who follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob to engage in this kind of behavior. So part of it, there, somebody who really knows something about the, about the Bible, for instance, somebody who, who has one, <laughs> unlike <of> me, <laughs> um, uh, somebody who knows something about the Bible would probably tell you uh, that a prohibition about human sacrifice has something to do with this story. Okay. Um, and we can kind of throw that into the background, but I, I thought it would be interesting for us just to kind of consider the issue with vows um, and with promises to God. Because the thing is, everybody's made promises to God. Sure. Everybody's made them. Whether you make them seriously or whether you make them flippantly, people make them all the time and oftentimes don't take them very seriously. Right? And I think that's the kind of thing we should take seriously. Well said. Well, thank you for tuning into the Hell of a Catholic podcast. I would like to uh, give a little shout out to TJ Capaldi, who has started seminary. We miss you, TJ. I had to introduce the podcast. I didn't even know how to do it. Uh, but I did get it right on the first try, unlike you, who often have to restart the podcast a number of times in order to get the introduction <laughs> correct. So if you have any questions or comments, podcast at gtcatholic.org. And thank you. God bless. God bless.